Hi, I'm Pete Seligman, and this is season four of my podcast, The Next Step. This year, we hosted the first ETA forum at Manly Beach in Sydney, Australia. So in this season of the podcast, I'll be sharing with you the audio from each session of the forum. At the beginning of each episode, I'll provide an intro to the speakers, and then at the end, I'll share with you the key messages and insights that I took from each presentation. If you were there on the day, these episodes will provide a good opportunity to reflect on your learning. If you weren't able to join us this time, even though you missed the networking, these episodes are a good summary of the content shared at the event. I hope you enjoy them. I probably made just the very classic CEO rookie mistake, which is just getting too involved and getting too in the weeds with probably everything. I really got dragged in deep for a little while and just was kind of going, oh, I'll do that one quickly. It won't take that long. And when you do that a thousand times over, your your time's getting taken up pretty much entirely. So had to kind of pull myself out of that. I think you need to get in the weeds and you need to appreciate and understand what you've acquired, but you, you know, you don't need to try and fix it all yourself. In the search world, we spend a lot of time talking about the search phase of search. So, you know, searching for the business, speaking to the vendors, finding the target industry, nailing down the deal, raising the capital, talking about the debt and all those kinds of things. Actually, it's the operating phase that not only takes up most of your journey, but also in my view, it makes up a lot and if not most of the value that you create. So in this session here that we're gonna hear from next, it's a panel session led by Johnson Wang, and it's focusing in on the first 100 days in that transition from becoming a searcher to a CEO. So after you've acquired the business, what does that next three months actually look like or even up to a year? And so Johnson himself with Sahil, his business partner, has been through an acquisition and is operating a business as we speak. And he has on the panel with him, Alex Simmons, who is the first person to raise a search fund in Australia, who's also made an acquisition. And Nikita Gossain, who's also a searcher who has made it through the acquisition phase and is in operation now. So the three of them on this panel are gonna talk through what it looks like when you've actually got the keys to this business now and you've stepped in as CEO and what does that first transition phase look like as you're moving from search into operation. So I'll leave you with those guys and I'll come back at the end uh, give you my thoughts, but it's a great session. I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello everyone, and uh, welcome to the panel on uh, first 100 days transitioning from searcher to CEO. Um, this is a great topic, and um, uh, about you know a pretty critical juncture in the journey of uh, of ETA. So, really del- delighted to have two perfect people to talk to about it. Um, Alex and Nikita, uh, both. Uh, former searchers and current CEOs. So we'll uh, yeah, have some really good stories and uh, insights to, to share with everyone. Um, I know that there's a couple of different people from different parts of the ETA ecosystem here today. So I thought uh, maybe there were kind of three goals for the panel today. So number one is for the searchers out there, I think what we want to do is try to give you all a little bit of a glimpse into what you know life as a CEO looks and feels like. Um, and maybe help you prepare for the transition yourself that you will go through. Um, for investors, I think equally maybe a little bit useful to understand the journey the searcher you're backing will go on, but also maybe identify a couple of areas where you know new CEOs like us you know might need your help and guidance during the first hundred days. Um, and thirdly, for advisors in the room, I think there are some unique elements of ETA and this you know, pretty important transition period. So hopefully you get a bit more of an understanding of that experience for us 
um, to help you better hone sort of the diligence work or advisory work that you might be hired to, to conduct. Um, so that's what we want to achieve today. Um, the way we're going to run the panel is I will, because uh, it's a very short session, I'm going to do a really rapid fire intro of the lovely people on the stage. And then we're going to uh, go through some questions and then hopefully leave five to 10 minutes at the end for Q&A uh, with everyone here. Um, great, okay, so intros, uh, just so I don't forget anything. We're supposed to lock eyes when we do this, by the way. <laughs> I, that's dangerous with you, Alex. Um, so uh, on the end there is uh, Nikita. So her search background is she searched for six months and then acquired a company and has been a CEO now for a year. Uh, her company is called Smoke Shield. It does three things, commercial security installation, immersive training, and fire training equipment distribution. The company has about 30 people. Uh, Nikita's uh, prior uh, experience, uh, she worked in M&A at KPMG, and she did her MBA at Cornell. She's a CFA and did a Bachelor's of Business at Monash. That's Nikita. Um, you won't get a clap. So okay. Yeah. Uh, Alex, uh, to my left here is, uh, so his search background, he was a, a traditional solo searcher. He searched for 30 months um, uh, until he acquired, and he's been a CEO now for nine months. Uh, the company he acquired uh, is called Innerva Software. It is a ERP software for Australian aged care. The company has about 15 people. Uh, Alex's prior experience, just so you have a bit of color, uh, he, was, uh, he started uh, in private equity at Bestport Capital. Then he was a consultant at Partners in Performance. Um, and he did his MBA at INSEAD and a BA at Oxford. And then I am your mon moderator. Uh, I'm Johnson. I, I shouldn't have to look at the notes. <laughs> I, uh, <coughs> I did a uh, partnered uh, self-funded search uh, back in 2019. Uh, I searched for 18 months until closing, and I've been uh, been running that business now with my with my partner for about 18 months. Um, the company we acquired is called Australian Paramedical College. It's uh, Australia's leading emergency healthcare college. Um, the company has about 50 people. Uh, before search, I uh, worked in private equity at Oak Tree Capital, then a consultant at McKinsey, and I did my MBA at Harvard and then an uh, engineering and commerce degree from Melbourne Uni. Mm -hmm. uh, I should also say, you know, my partner and I, we're transitioning now a little bit away from, from operating full-time and we're doing much more investing. So we're trying to invest and support, you know, amazing searches around the world, um, self-funded and funded. Um, that's us. So question number one, I thought, we're gonna talk a lot about the first 100 days, but I thought it might be interesting for everyone in the room to hear about day one. So I wondered if you can tell people here how day one went. How did you feel? How did it go? What happened? Um, my day one wasn't such a day one. Um, it was quite a long period to close a deal, essentially. There was some last minute tax things and, and nuances that we had to work out. So um, I was quite heavily involved in the business before and before signing, before closing, um, was there every other day learning the business, learning the ropes. Um, official day one, uh, it was it was actually relatively easy. Um, the the staff were very kind, um, which yeah, it was it was uh, unexpected actually, just very kind, very welcoming. Um, 
there wasn't I didn't do kind of a major speech I just said hey hello and um didn't didn't kind of make a grand entrance um in in any regard like I didn't throughout my throughout kind of the the transition period wasn't very loud about the change of ownership to to customers or or to suppliers um just kept it kept it pretty quiet and, and obviously managed the relationships that we needed to um I don't know day one was it's not as intimidating as you pretty think straightforward, yeah it's it's not as intimidating as you think. I think people aren't expecting. I don't think people have massive expectations on day one. They they want to get to know you. They want to you know know that their job's not going to get cut on day one. And um, there's an open mindedness on day one. I'd say, um, or that was what I had in my case anyway. Yeah, sounds good. Should we hear the uh, flip side of the coin? The flip side. Kidding. Kidding. Um, so for us, uh, unlike Nikita. Um, for me, I hadn't had much exposure to people within the business before before day one. You know, quite limited in, in the DD. Um, so it was a, a bit of a, you know, there was an old owner, and now it's you. And 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 what I didn't do is want to stuff too much into that day because, you know, we had a meeting I think at eleven o'clock in the morning to get everyone in the conference room to say, hey, you know, this is the person that you've kind of you know, met or, or known about through this, this process. And then it's my chance for me to give the 10 minutes on, you know, who I am, what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do. Um, you know, like Johnson, I get into work on time early in the morning and you, know, you rock in at 10 o'clock. You know, um, I didn't know this was a roast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. There'll be a lot of Change sticking the, the knife in, into Johnson. We'll say we're not competitive, but we are. Um, so, I, you know, the thing I didn't do is have too many expectations probably similar about wanting a, a big agenda that day, get in, talk to the people, you know, put them at ease because fundamentally you, you're buying what you think is a good business and, and it should run you know, from there on, you know, on day two, right? Nice. Funny story about our first day, the vendor forgot to tell the company. <laughs> so we turned up, everyone was wondering who the hell we were. Uh, and then the owner kind of, yeah, sort of had to be like, oh God, okay. And like grabbed everyone together and, and brought them together and told them who we were. Um, so, you know, uh, good communication with the vendor prior to day one with my learning. Mean, your my staff still day. don't know who you are though, right? My staff, uh, and I think that's, uh, yeah, they're lucky that way. Um, all right, well, let's think, let's talk a little bit about kind of how you thought the first hundred days would go. I mean, I guess before we reach that point of taking over, um, you know, there's probably a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings, a lot of planning that goes in. So I wondered for some of the searches in the room, how did you think about planning that first 100 days? What did you want to get out of there? What, what, what goals did you have for it? I mean, I think the best example I can give, and, and I don't remember it exactly this way, um, but I'm told by one of the board that this is how it happened, um, is that I came to that first meeting, which is around about the date of closing with all these ideas about we're going to change this and do that and all these things. And the board unanimously said, no, don't do any of that. Um, just get in there, talk to people, but try not to do anything. So, uh, you know, f what I didn't have was um, a, a grand plan of, and some people do, and I've seen other examples in search where people have a real schedule of the things in the first 90, 100 days they want to do. Um, didn't have any of that, um, but was very conscious that you got to invest in, in understanding the business early and understand the people, the yeah. relationships. Um, and, and so, yeah, tried my best to do that, but didn't have a structured... We had some Plan. objectives, right? Sure, but, but nothing like a big PowerPoint saying I was going to do wonderful things like you did, you know? Yeah. Um, no presentation <laughs> since. 
Uh, Nikita, how about you? Yeah, um, first 100 days, I did have a, a big sort of grand plan as to what I was going to achieve in that first 100 days. Um, mine got derailed a little bit. I was going to do, obviously, understanding the business first so that I can have some appreciation for, for what, what what I'm working with um, and then and then really spend time with the people. Um, I had to do it the other way around, which, which wasn't the best way to do it um, because in kind of understanding the people, I was getting – you know, at this point they'd started to open up with me and they were sort of opening up on things that they were disenchanted or disenfranchised with and it was probably too much too soon. I probably couldn't do too much with it and then that obviously led, led to, to feelings of resentment. So um, that came about because um, so my owner passed away. Um, so essentially in terms of a transition, if you're kind of worried about how you're going to do it, it's... Um, I mean, I basically learned everything in the business from scratch myself. Um, didn't have kind of any support. Um, even though on my first 100-day plan, I had kind of a schedule of everything I was going to work through um, and, and take on from the owner. So I didn't get any of that. Um, so I guess it's very possible is, is the... Um, yeah, is sort of the uh, the message there. Um, the, the the middle management wasn't necessarily quite as strong at that time, um, so it really was honestly just to kind of pick it up yourself and and learn it yourself sort of journey. Um, yeah, I think the mistake I made there was it, it, it was it was hitting the people too early um, in terms of like trying to you want to get some quick wins when you come in first hundred days. You want to get some quick wins. Yeah. You want to you know you want to kind of really stabilize. You want to show them that. I mean, at least for the first six months, there's no change coming. There's, you know, jobs aren't on the line. In, mm. That's kind of what you want to do. And um, it just, it caused a little bit of turbulence. Um, having, obviously, having kind of circumstances as they were, plus, you know, all these things that they laid out on the table that I wasn't necessarily familiar enough with to do anything about at that point. So, yeah. It is a really good point, though, because I think, you know, one of our goals was, was just not to break anything, not do anything. But it is actually really hard when you're in yeah. when you're in there to try and not do anything. Yeah. You know, you've been thinking about it for you know every day for the last however long, right? A year, two years, 30 months, 35 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and so it is hard to sit there and try to not make decisions and not try to, you know, act on things. And people often will look at you and expect you to to be in to, to act. Um, so it is much harder in practice, mm. right? Mm. Um, I think for us, we kind of had three main goals for the hundred day plan. Uh, hundred days, we had no presentation. We are definitely you're not lying. You're we're lying. not structured enough. Um, but the broad idea was one is don't break it, right? Like yeah. continuity. Don't change how decisions are made, or best try not to make any decisions. Um, uh, even to the point of kind of making sure we didn't appear too different to to the prior owner. So he was a black t-shirt wearer. We wore black t-shirts, as the hill is demonstrating today. Um, but little things like that, right? Just made sure it was as smooth as possible. Um, number two, we tried to, um, we tried to, I can't remember now, what was it? Um, well, one of, the, one of the things we tried to do in the 100 days was maybe find like little special projects that didn't disrupt the BAU or the kind of daily operations that we, we could work on quite separately. Um, that could give us a way to kind of you know, get our fingers into stuff and you start pulling on threads and you end up interacting with all the different teams and they give you a reason to talk to them and, you know, it just felt a bit more natural to build relationships when it's when there's something to talk about. So that was quite good. Um, I can't remember what, this, what the other one was now. We'll come back to it. Um, great. Uh, so your role as a CEO. You've got to ask me how I spend my time because I don't want to answer that. <laughs> 
Nikita, <laughs> how uh, <laughs> how do you spend your time now? What does your day look like as a CEO? If you could help kind of categorize it by, you know, type of work or whatever, just give people an understanding of what CEO life really looks like. Yeah, I might need to defer this one to Alex because I've actually appointed a CEO now and um, that's been awesome. It's allowed me to kind of step back from from the weeds, which I was in a little bit too much for, for about a year. Um, I'm focusing now on bolt-on acquisitions and, and also some investing activity. So, um, the yeah, look, whilst I was in the CEO role, the day-to-day um, was there were a couple of elements to it. I think there was there was a whole exercise that we needed to do um, in terms of strategic thinking. We were kind of claiming we were you know one of Australia's most innovative companies, and and that was true at a time, but sort of hadn't been for about ten or fifteen years. Um, so there was a real kind of going back and, and really strategically thinking about everything actually from scratch and, and going through our mission, our vision, our purpose, our goals, mm-hmm. our values. Um, that was actually a really well accepted and really kind of well, um, like the employees just took to that like a house on fire. Like they really enjoyed that exercise of, of kind of cultivating that. And now it's it's led essentially to a team that's very protective of culture, of the culture mm-hmm. that we've built. Um, you know, we're booked out for six months at the moment or something. We're screaming for security technicians, um, but we're just not hiring. And, and the team actually is just not letting anyone in that that kind of isn't of that standard or, or isn't going to fit in with our values. So, um, yeah, it's it's led to some good things. Um, so, yeah, I was it was kind of quite strategic at the start. Um, I, I probably took on I, I, I took on also this kind of CFO finance function as well, which I probably shouldn't have. Um, the previous owner's wife used to take care of that. Um, figured that'd be easy it is relatively easy but it's time consuming and, and probably shouldn't have taken that on um and actually best sort of just appoint someone that can that can look after it um and yeah uh kind of special projects as well so yeah. um yeah. just kind of growth enabler projects we had a lot of them within our business um we weren't set to scale and, and kind of what to me at the at the diligence phase appeared like an opportunity mm. um <laughs> It took longer than it, you know, it took longer than expected to convert the business from paper to digital and, you know, implement a proper CRM system and, and actually set it up for scalability. Um, so these kind of growth enabler projects or special projects that we had were pretty abundant. Um, so getting involved with, I did the, um, essentially the outsourcing of our warehouse um, to a third party logistics company. Um, I oversaw that. So just special projects um, and that was pretty much kind of what consumed year yeah. one. Um, I probably wasn't as, uh, the owner had sort of embedded in my mind that customers were gonna be unsettled by by the change in ownership. Um, it was a 40 plus year business and, you know, it is a relatively kind of slower industry and, and definitely doesn't adapt to change so well. But, um, you know, I think the owner had probably embedded too much nervousness about that. Yeah. Um, which maybe wasn't, wasn't so necessary because when I did eventually kind of get out there and get in front of customers, um, they were very appreciative of actually the opportunity to to talk about things where they were lacking um, on a customer experience standpoint. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm keen to hear a little bit about, about timeline, actually, because you mentioned two quite strategic things that you did. Number one, kind of bringing in a CEO, and number two, kind of actually communicating your your vision and mission and, 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 and values maybe to, to the business. So how did you think about when to do that in your first year of ownership? Yeah. Um, in terms of the communication of values, it was actually crafted. Um, look, we had to go. We had to go through some sort of cultural transformation to get to the point that we are today. Um, there was 
I guess we were lucky in that there was some people that self-selected out um, yeah, okay. that, that weren't necessarily kind of willing or wanting to go on that kind of hyper growth journey um, journey with us. So when we had the core team left, um, we actually all did that um, that collaboratively. So there's a there's a program that we got into in Victoria. It's um, the Entrepreneurs Growth Program, um, and it's essentially a government funded program, and they get they bring kind of big name consultants in to help you um, go through kind of different different sessions so we did like a i think it was a six-week session we used to do it at like 7 a.m um and it was the whole team and we'd get involved and we actually crafted it all together um so it wasn't so much kind of me um kind of pushing any type of dictating anything um in terms of um in terms of the kind of the decision to appoint a ceo um it was in terms of timing, to be honest, it was something that was kind of on the cards from day one. It, okay. it, it had kind of been, I'd been clear with with kind of my investors. I'm I'm a CFA and I came from an M and A background, so that that kind of space is a lot more a lot more my forte than operating. Um, whilst I loved operating, um, you know, the the CEO that I've brought in is just incredible and mm. and so ethical and does things the right way. So um, it was it was kind of always on the cards. It was just a matter of finding the right person. Yeah, okay. um, and. Timing worked out quite nicely. It was kind of the point at which um, we had the nice core team. We had we had her come in. Um, it was a point at which we could start to really kind of accelerate growth and really start to build the sales and marketing function, which is where kind of she um, she comes from. Um, so it was the timing kind of fell into place. It wasn't necessarily like it had kind of been on the cards from day one, but I think in terms of the journey, it kind of just slotted in really nicely. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, we didn't do like a, we didn't do kind of a recruitment or recruitment drive for the CEO or anything. Like it was just kind of on our minds from day one that we knew we were looking and um, when we came across that person. Yeah, got it. Do you want to skip this question? I do. Okay. Next question. Uh, we, uh, so one of the things that, you know, I think everyone up here has relatively similar backgrounds. We all came from, you know, private equity, consulting, M&A, et cetera. And so, you know, maybe not the most perfectly prepared people to, to you know, start managing you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Um, and so that's clearly a challenge that I think um, certainly we all experience uh, when we first step into the shoe. So um, maybe I wondered if you can talk a little bit about your experience to suddenly have you know, 20, 30 people looking at you. How did you manage them? How did, you know- It's a bit like the, this really, isn't it? What's Just the relationship? 20, 30 people. Exactly, exactly. Um, um, I think the the surprising thing for me was when you speak to people who've done a search and acquired a business, they often say on day one, there's a great big long line of people outside your door that want to talk to you as the new CEO. Didn't have any of that. It was, <laughs> it was quite a lonely day. Um, it's okay. Um, and, and I think there was, in a sense, you know, we did quite a good job of managing the transition to say, well, same business, nothing's changing. What that did mean is that then kind of three months in, then everyone starts to come to you and mm. probably with far more qualitative you know, projects or things that they want to change within the business, mm. which is great, but suddenly you know, everything starts to blossom and you're like, holy shit, there's a lot of things to do here. Um, which gives, you know, in, in one sense, it gives you time to learn the people, learn the business. But then in the other sense now, we, we probably have a situation where from being in a business where Culturally, it was a very passive owner for the last you know, five, three to five years, through to now a very active and involved CEO who wants to take the business to the next stage. We have you know, some of the team starting to come on that journey, which is great, but not all the team are there yet. So 
in response to how I spend my time, I spend a lot of time with the team mm. on projects around growth. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time probably relative to, to some search CEOs on the message to the team. It's still a small team. Mm. Um, so I can you know, do that individually rather than through management, which I think helps. Um, but it's, you know, it is the hardest bit, right? That um, I think I'm fortunate as well in, in that being a small team, well-educated team, you know, developers, mm -hmm. um, accountants, you know, with support for accounting software, essentially. So, um, you know, found that relatively okay, but it's not easy to change direction culturally. Yep. You know, the way we want to do things versus how we did things. So, and that can be frustrating, and I'm sure we're all frustrated here at the pace that things get done, and we want to do things three times as fast, but... Um, I've not really answered the question there, have I? No, no, no. You, you've done as well as you could. Okay. Uh, Nikita, how are you? <laughs> it's good enough. Take it. Um, probably the only thing I can add is I think the surprise for me was aversion to change. Um, it was something I probably underestimated just because of the kind of, you know, the kind of people that you've worked with in professional services. Mm. Um, it's it's just different in small business and, and it's actually a journey to to take them on the journey and to bring them on the journey and to feel as though they're actually on the journey. So um, that takes some... I mean, it, it takes, it, it takes, I don't know, it's it's different. You don't need to when you're in professional services, even if you're managing teams of 10 or 15 or 20, it's it's not kind of foreign to any of us. I think we've all managed large teams before, but, yeah. um, you know, it, highly motivated, highly driven, relatively quick to adapt to things just because of the changing nature, especially in, in M&A, um, things happen like Trump gets elected and pens down on a deal and that's that's it. There's too much market volatility, that kind of thing. So, um you know, it's. I think it's it's appreciating that you have to put that time in for people, um, because yeah. yeah, there's just a natural aversion to change that people have. I mean, one interesting thing, and I don't know if you two had this, but there is a desire often in 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 you know in people in the business to change things or for things to be different, but then when it comes to doing the change, then you get the aversion. So it's mm. like we want life to look this way, but oh, actually, we've got to do the work to get there. And, mm. and that becomes the barrier, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's how, that, that was my experience as well. Mine was a little bit different just because we had quite a micromanaging owner. So mm. um, it was actually the first time that the concept was foreign. The concept yeah. of change was just yeah. quite foreign. Got it. Yeah. Maybe on this topic, like one thing to make it really real for some of the searches maybe is, have you guys had to let anyone anyone go? And what was that like for you? No. No? Okay. Really? Um, yes, I have. It's it's difficult. It's awful. Your hands are shaking under your desk, and you just you sort of just have to do it. And it's um it's really difficult. You it's I don't know that it, I don't know if it gets easier. I've only had to do it once or twice, and um it's it it's painful. It you know where you sort of have peace in knowing that you've you've taken you've gone really above and beyond and and that we did on the occasions that we that we had to let go of people um really you know you've done kind of very substantial performance management um yep. and you just yeah. it, it's for the better it's for the good of the team and i think you have to justify it to yourself like that it's i mean when you've got a team that's you know it's just it's unfair right to to kind of it's unfair to them also that you know they're clearly not thriving in that environment so i think you've just gotta you've just gotta do it have you regretted any no. how did uh, sahil take the news when you sacked him he was never employed 
He still hasn't worked a day, I don't think. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the timesheet. But in honesty, uh, I mean, I have a question for you, John, and, and I didn't prepare this. That's why this works. How, because, you know, many people here in search would be considering a partnered search or, um, you know, I'm, I was solo, you're solo. Um, how have you divided the responsibilities post-closing the deal and, and how's that gone? Yeah, um, so when he naps, I okay. work and then... Uh, no, I mean, so we, we, Sahil and I, we divide um, our leadership by function. So uh, in general, Sahil looks after a lot of the kind of internal facing things around people and product and things like that. And then I'll look after a lot of the external things around marketing, sales, et cetera. Um, but then, you know, as, as you are with any kind of, you know, uh, you know, strong partnership, I guess, you're talking all the time. And so the big strategic commercial capital allocation type decisions are, are very much made together and in and, and, and consensus. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, sort of day to day, functionally, we take the lead. We are, we're probably, and we develop this over time, but we, uh, to, to not have to talk to each other for a lot of kind of, you know, smaller, you know, reversible kind of decisions, we just kind of do it because otherwise it's not scalable. Um, uh, so, yeah. It, it, is it obvious to people within the business <laughs> where, like, who they, ask for something or whether they get approval yeah well he's never, play you off against each other he's never there so okay yeah. no no no. Uh, no it is obvious it's it's yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry mate uh no it, it is clear it, we, we made it clear okay. on day one uh kind of the different reporting lines and um it's 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 yeah it's very clear um yeah we were nervous about the situation where people felt like they could get one answer from one of us and another answer from someone else. So it was, you know, we had kind of principles around how we wanted that to, to manage that as a, as a partner. Um, thank you for your question, Alex. Appreciate it. Um, I guess, I think we're slowly at time. Maybe I'll ask one final question. And that is, you know, thinking back now to the first, you know, period of ownership, what's been the biggest positive surprise and negative surprise? Um, positive surprise is probably, um, I think, because we're looking for kind of intrinsically sort of boring businesses, um, pretty unsexy. I think coming into the space that I'm in, commercial security, I didn't realise how much of an impact and how kind of loyal and, and um, I guess just how much the products and, and the impact that we were having meant to the people within the company. I didn't realise that. Mm. Um, so that was super positive because that has kind of shaped, like I said, the, the kind of purpose and, and it's created a loyalty and, and just a hell of a culture. Um, mm. From a negative surprise perspective, um, I mean, diligence is probably where we're all comfortable. So I think like that's probably more of our strength than, than operating. Um, so no kind of major surprises. It was a little bit with regards to kind of inventory and, and things that had been reworked a little bit to um, to have potentially kind of newer uh, newer dates on them than, than was necessarily the case. and. Um, potentially kind of slow moving obsolete stuff that we actually did go back to the owner for and, and get a um, get a reduction essentially after after the fact and agreed on something commercially. Um, yeah, I think that's okay. great. I'm going to answer a different question um, in that if I look back, what would I have done differently in the first hundred days? Um, Your show, mate. No, it's not. I mean, it, uh, the, I mean, the truth is that we, we haven't had many surprises and none of them are particularly interesting. Um, which is a good thing, um, <laughs> but I think what I didn't appreciate on day zero or minus one was there's more time for you 
to get into role into the role than you think. Yeah. And so I probably should have prioritized personal things like just getting comfortable with the rhythm of being CEO rather than charging in there and trying to get on with everything. And mm. you know, you end up you know at nine months in pretty tired, right? So um, that's probably a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. My, my very quick uh, two cents on that. I think positive surprise was a little bit similar to you, Nikita. Just the, the they were they, they were high will people on the kind of will and skill kind of dimensions. They were all incredibly motivated and they loved their job and they loved what they were doing there and you know didn't necessarily expect that in a small business. Um, and so that was such a positive surprise. I think negative surprise maybe was while there were a lot of benefits with having a vendor like ours who was pretty disengaged with the business for many years, as you'll find with owners who are retiring or whatever, one of the consequences was there was just a real fragmentation across multiple, multiple dimensions. One around culture, there were kind of micro cultures in the business. Uh, systems, there were micro systems around the business. Processes weren't aligned. Communication wasn't coordinated. So, um, you know, one of the positives is you have people with autonomy because the owners disengaged, but the lack of leadership led to a real fragmentation or lack of cohesion. So that was a bit of a negative surprise for us. Um, we'll take a couple of questions from the audience if anyone has any. Uh, Nick was first and an and OG searcher. So, homage to, to, to Nick. That sounds like a question for Alex. Um, Alex, we'll go to you first, shall we? I don't, I don't really have a good answer. Um, and I played, was it the fifth or something? Um, and then Nick did invest a bit, so he can go away. But um, putting you on the cap table, Nick, that was the stupidest thing. Um, I think it's not stupid, but we probably, there were some aspects of the transition from the previous, uh, we did an asset purchase. And, and so transitioning isn't as clean, it's a bit messy, you've got to pick up different systems and these kind of things. We should have spent more time earlier just getting it all squared away because we've still got some bits and pieces that are just sucking up time that don't add a lot of value. You don't need to know about that. I've got it all covered, don't worry. That's <laughs> so. Nikita, how about you? Um, I probably made just the very classic CEO rookie mistake, which is just getting too involved and getting too in the weeds with probably everything. I really got dragged in deep for a little while and just was kind of going, oh, I'll do that one quickly. It won't take me that long. And when you do that yeah. a thousand times over, your, your time's getting taken up pretty much entirely. So yep. had to kind of pull myself out of that. I think you need to get in the weeds and you need to appreciate and understand what you've acquired, but you, you know, you don't need to try and fix it all yourself. Mm -hmm. So. Paige, did you have your hand up? Yeah. Um, one, uh, one thing that a lot of people warn you going in is make sure that the staff know that they're not going to lose their jobs and blah, blah, blah. You mentioned that in day one, you gave that message. Did you find over the 100 days that you kind of needed to reiterate that or did it become a problem ever? Did, how did you kind of, was that really a big issue for you guys and how did you deal with it? Um, I reiterated it a lot because um, it really was it really was the truth, like the absolute truth. Like we, it was the truth, um, but also bearing in mind that people have self have selected into you know stable, solid business, and and now you're basically asking them to go on a hyper growth journey. So it is the truth. You're not looking to get rid of anybody, um, but there are things that are going to change. So um, I absolutely reiterated it a lot of times in the first hundred days. Um, I didn't kind of make any personnel or in any decisions like that. Um, 
quickly and, and when I did it was um it was kind of I think people were relatively comfortable that it wasn't kind of intrinsically what we were going to do just kind of go in and cull sort of private equity stuff. Mm. How about you Alex? Uh, yeah it wasn't something that had to be repeated I think on day one made it clear that this is a great business the reason that's the reason I'm here um, and you know you're all part of that as a team and we want to go on to the next step and you know that involves all of you right um, yeah and then and people actually they just get on with stuff pretty quickly right so it, you know it while it seems like a big thing it's it's not a big thing in the end isn't it you know so oh, they don't get on with stuff pretty quickly it's not no no but as in like the, the sort of I, I don't know i felt my team was sort of unperturbed by the news and carried on as they had been and that was good because i didn't have to worry no. about it no? no that wasn't your experience no. there you go <laughs> no i think like i said aversion to change like it was yeah. it was scary 40 years of of a business and yeah it was it was scary. Kind yeah. of younger female that doesn't know anything about the industry. It's, it's scary. Yeah, maybe spend hours talking about this. This I'm sure. But are there any other questions in the room? Oh yeah. Uh, yep, John. I think. Visible your investors to your staff. Um, I'm a bit a bit unique with my investor base. Um, I essentially ended up going with just one ultra high net worth individual. Um. And he, so it's a lot more, it's a lot more casual, um, not so structured in terms of board meetings and things like that. So there's just kind of fewer frequent times that he's formally in there, um, in the office. So not, not so much in that regard. Um, we'll do like, if we're doing say a product launch night or something, um, you know, he's spoken, he's spoken to my staff and it was really, that was kind of the start of the kind of rejuvenation of the culture and the changes within the culture and sort of talking about really what it's like to work in a team and, and build a highly successful team. So at that point he was, um, but otherwise not not so much. Okay. Yeah, I think the, I mean, it's a good point. I think early on, it's probably more of a hindrance to have the idea of investors. And then at some point it's gotta be a help. And in, in our situation, I'm very transparent with the team now we probably didn't say on day one oh by the way there's a bunch of investors and many in the us and all these kind of ideas um but now i think it's helpful to see that there is that structure and the backing um and you know we'd like to get the board down to, to tassie to meet the team being in the us that's a challenge um so i think it is starting to hurt us not having a bit more you know integration and visibility between the team and the investors mm. interesting uh, yep, the tie. Question similar to that before, but what was the timeline around some of the key personnel changes, both folks leaving the business as well as new folks brought in to see? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Uh, Nikita? I didn't quite hear it. Uh, the timeline on personnel changes. How quickly did you um, hire, fire, yep. change it up? Um, I had to make some pretty quick changes. I probably had to do more. I probably had to do more in the first year than you're supposed to do um, because of the circumstances. Mm. Um, so I, I did a pretty aggressive sort of recruiting drive. Had you know, kind of, uh, as I said, we really needed to kind of reshape and re recultivate the culture. The, the culture. So um, probably five new people within the space of you know, a couple of months was in at the end of year one. Um, in terms of getting rid of people, um, it was more self-selection out. So it was it was kind of as and when, I think probably at about 10 or nine months, I'd say probably nine months, there was a pretty large sort of exodus, um, which, yeah, which was which was good for the business. Um, so it, it, in terms of kind of changes initiated by myself, there's one change in terms of letting people go that I should have done sooner. I actually had quite a lot of conviction that it was the right decision like around month three and, and 
you know, I hesitated actually too long. Um, that person ended up leaving around kind of month, uh, month eight or something. And I, I actually should have let them go at month three. It would have been the right thing to do. Mm. You, have you made any changes to your team yet? Uh, we've oh, added one in April, May, which was a support hire. So adding to the support team, ordinary course of business kind of stuff. Um, we've done another one in October uh, that's starting next month. And then in January, we'll start to look at more of the augmenting the management team, i.e. people significantly better than myself to, you know, to do good things to the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah got it. And, and for us, we did probably a bit of a reorg or restructure after about a year. So we had a situation where Sahil and I basically had nine managers under us and it was a, uh, you know, a result of the owner being absent and so people just kind of elevated themselves to own little little pockets. <laughs> uh, and, so, and so we did a bit of a reorg. We basically have five people under us now. Um, most of them are new. Uh, um, but that took about a year uh, to build the conviction and, 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 you know, with some, you know, performance manager up. Um, but about a year, and then we kind of, yeah, wanted to kind of set up the foundation for growth. Um, anyone else? Sorry? Yeah. Luke, did you? Yeah, my question was just how much has the strategy changed from when, when you were considering the business and maybe that DD period through to where you are now? How's that Um I think fundamentally not, not a great deal. I think um, I, I like to remain pretty opportunistic, and, and I think. I mean, Will Thorndike's book says the most successful CEOs are those ones that are very opportunistic and actually not not got the blinkers on. So um, I think for me, immersive learning and virtual reality and, and what it can do in the kind of emergency training space is is really exhilarating. And I think there's amazing, amazing potential there. So that's factoring in a lot more these days than I expected it to, um, or it's kind of playing on my mind and it's what I'm looking at, what I'm exploring. Um, but not a great deal. It's honestly, I think in the in the security industry, it's it's a little bit backwards. Um, so you've just got to kind of elevate to a level of customer experience mm. and professionalism that that isn't a great. It's not a it's not a super high bar. You've you've just got to elevate to a point where you're um yeah delivering delivering as promised and um you'll be able to go pretty organically. So national expansion, it was all kind of in the it was all kind of in the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. Directionally, the same. I think the thing is, once you get in there, you realize tangibly what the opportunities look like, which you probably don't when you're doing a DD. Um, but directionally, yeah, same. Cool. Are you, Johnson? <laughs> uh, look, I don't think it, the direction has changed, but the, the, the timing has. Uh, we're slower than we thought it would be. Yeah, we uh, it's predictable. Predictable. You know, it's hard to, yeah, hard, you know, when you're as incapable as us, it takes a while. <laughs> um, but uh, it just took longer. You know, like the foundations weren't as strong and solid as we as we wanted it to be, and you know we're very much believers, and I think it's enabled by kind of being. I think there's advantages to be self-funded because you can think really, really long term, and so we just wanted to take our time, build the right foundation, make sure everything's working, and then and then punch growth. Um, so it just took a bit longer. Uh, are we at time, Pete? Have we got the thumbs up, or do we want one more? E Ebert had one. Anything from the search pair translate over to well, your search wasn't long enough, was it? <laughs> I, I don't, I think because <laughs> of. <laughs> 
No, sorry, go on. Go on. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's, I mean, you've got to have a level of kind of hustle and, and that that you need to retain when you're in the business and yeah. that's what it also takes to get a search off the ground. It's it's what it takes to close a deal. Um, but I don't think, other than that, I think if, if that's probably intrinsically within you and for us, for probably most of us, I, I would say maybe it is, um, yeah. probably not a great deal. Yeah. I think for me, the advantage of a longer search was um, your ability to develop relationships with your shareholders over a long period of time. So when you get into the business, it's not like there's a bunch of new people around the table pretty comfortable about who you know who the characters are what the plan is you know they're confident in the deal and in in, in me hopefully um and and i think that really helps you know because you're in this new role and it is scary um well i was scared and i was lonely we talked about that um yeah and i wish we'd stop um but i think that's helpful and, and certainly my experience was you know that's probably one of the major things that that helped Great. Thank you, guys. Great chat, guys. Johnson, well done keeping Alex under control. I know he can be a hard one to nail down. And Nikita, good job making sure that you kept those guys under control as well because, you know, between the three of you, there's a lot of experience there and a lot of raw experience, frankly, given that you're right in the mix of it. I think the three of you did a great job. So in my view, the core message that came out from everyone on the panel was that in that first phase immediately after acquisition, the, the key is to take it easy. Take it easy in those first few months. The phrase that I use often is just fly the plane. I've got a couple of mates that are pilots and the first thing they say, whenever anything goes wrong or you hit some turbulence or you've given some instructions from air traffic control, objective number one, just fly the plane. You know, And I think that resonates really well into this post-acquisition phase. You know, You don't wanna break anything Potentially, you can find some special projects to engage with the business so that you don't interrupt business as usual, but you get an opportunity to engage with the team. And also, you know, the other thing that played through quite a lot in this panel was the importance of culture and the importance of getting that right. You know, meeting the team, engaging with the team. It's highly likely there'll be some turnover in that first 12 months as you get the fit right. But just constantly focusing on that culture and that density of talent, I think, is a really important thing. So I really enjoyed that panel. I think that there's a depth of experience that those three guys bring to the table. And it was excellent to hear straight from the horse's mouth on what it's like to make that transition from searcher into the CEO role, which is ultimately why we're all here. So thanks again, guys. And I hope you enjoyed listening.